This is episode seven with David Murray. Welcome to the Capitalize on Your Idea podcast, helping you take any idea and making it a reality. Here's the man who did it and now teaches it, Justin Escar. What is up, everybody? Happy March. Thanks for tuning in. Today we have a great episode. We have David Murray, social media director for Blue Cross Blue Shield today. Uh, David, before he was working for Blue Cross Blue Shield, was a social media manager on his own. He had a blog. He did a a lot of social media marketing. Um, Now he's working for Blue Cross Blue Shield, which is totally awesome. Uh, And you'll hear today we talk a lot about how to market your product using social media and what you can do to get it out there. And one of the big things he talks about is start by listening. You know, when you're when you're on Twitter, there's so much going on. The first thing you really need to learn to do is listen to people that are either talking about your product or talking to you about your product or talking about uh, products that are rel- related to your product and then jump in. It's not always about the hard sell, especially especially with social media. Um, you could also use a, social media to find out what's happening in in your industry. Like a great thing to do is uh, you know follow your competitors or your competitors' clients and see what they're tweeting about or, or or posting or liking or whatever it is and get ideas about that. So it's a really good interview. Now I'm going to apologize in advance. Um, unfortunately, because of restrictions at his job, we couldn't use Skype to make the to do the call so we had to use freeconferencecall.com so the audio on it is not like super great and i apologize um it does sound like a phone call because let's be honest it's a recorded phone call so uh i i appreciate you guys powering through this one uh really try to listen to what he says i I know it might be a little tough and uh again as always today's episode is brought to you by watchman monitoring know before it's too late with watchman monitoring sign up for a free 30-day trial at www.watchmanmonitoring.com slash Appitalize. Also, I just want to say a quick shout out to all of our new followers. Thanks for uh, listening and tuning in and following me on Twitter and leaving me some some beautiful comments and, and uh, really inspiring words. Thank you so much. And uh, let's take a listen to the interview with David Murray. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm here today with David Murray, manager, uh, social media manager for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Dave, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. So uh, I actually, uh, we, you and I have not actually met in person yet, but um, I became a big fan of yours when you had, you had a website up, The Way of the Murr, and uh, I started following you on Twitter, and I got really into some of the things you were saying, you are like a social media expert. <laughs> and and I really, I'm, I want to talk to you today about people that are coming up with their own ideas. A lot of us are independent, you know, people, like we're, we're independent owners, we're single person entrepreneur companies. We don't really have a huge budget for massive advertising, massive you know, social media plans, all these things. So I want to talk to you today about what someone can do when they have their idea and how to get it marketed when they have really like no bid, no budget and it's really just them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the first 
And probably natural instinct when it comes to the entrepreneurial mind and spirit is once you have your idea, the, the first thing you want to do is share it, right? So yeah. the social web allows immediate access for someone to start talking about what they do, who they are, and what their fantastic idea is and how it will help improve uh, humanity and mankind. The problem is no one really cares, and that's really what should be in the back of everyone's mind is people don't necessarily care about your idea until they get to know who you are and what you stand for and, more importantly, how you can help them. You know, it sounds contradictory to the spirit of what social media is, but it's really true. It's the old adage that people do business with who they know, who they like, and who they trust still plays on the social web. So if you're going to hit me over the head with a product that you're very excited about, and rightly so, but maybe I have no context as to not only what it is, but who you are and how you can help me, then you may fall upon deaf ears. So my advice, the immediate advice would be, you know, you kind of just highlighted how effective social media can be when it comes to really learning about someone and their product. You mentioned you came across my blog and then you followed me on Twitter, and before you even made any initial contact as to, uh, hey, I got this product, can you help me out? I think actually in our communications online, I think it was a while before you directly reached out, and I think it was in reference to something I had communicated on Twitter. So when you came to me about, hey, can you help me out with this product? there was already a connection because I had talked about something that related to the product you were offering. So in a way, you were connecting with me on a personal level versus just trying to get some attention to your product, which is what I feel entrepreneurs uh, miss when it comes to the social web. Right. You were you had mentioned something about, um, I believe, one of my apps signed my pad. And... Um, I have a I have an application on my computer called TweetDeck, and it gives me all these different columns of different things that's happening in Twitter. And one of them is I search for anybody who mentions sign my pad. And I believe you had said something, and I came back to you, and I was like, "Hey, I this is my app. Let me know, you know, how I can help you." And then I helped you, and I think then you like tweeted more about sign my pad for me, and then that's how we linked up. Yeah, and, and that happened organically. It, I found an app that provided value to me, and because of that, knowing my audience was in a similar vein and looking for a similar product, I happily shared it without you coming to me and saying, Dave, would you mind tweeting about this a couple times? Um, right. And that's been my experience of effective, quote-unquote, networking through the social web. You know, again, I, I bumped into a lot of people, young, old, any demographic age, that have come to me directly and say, oh, I'd love to introduce you to this product. And it's all well and good, but 90% of the time, I really have no personable connect, or excuse me, personal connection to the product or service that they're offering. It doesn't fit in the things that I'm interested in, or would just organically talk about based on not only my uh, professional career, but just the things that I'm personally interested in. So I would say that to the entrepreneurial that are out there, don't worry about so much the product in front of people, try finding the people who are out there who are already invested in the things that your product can serve or hits on passion points that people can relate to, and then talk about your product because I think that would be more uh, beneficial if you're looking to get out there and get your product known. 
So one of the things you would say is, obviously, know your audience, right? If I came to, you know, with SemiPad, which is a PDF signature ap application, and I went into a business that doesn't sign any documents, I shouldn't be talking to them. Yeah, or even, you know, an audience who doesn't need to know that such digital uh, shortcuts are available, you know. Yeah, you really do. You have to know your audience. I would say, and this is across the board, any, any social media strategy that I've built starts off with listening. And I think one of the greatest strengths of social media is not even having to say anything. You can plug into people's channels, uh, people's lists on Facebook, you can just listen and find out what's happening in the industry that your specific product or service um, can help and find out who are the players in that space. Or more importantly, who's asking questions that relate to your product or service that you can offer. Um, take the time to listen to what's happening before you start uh, what I would say shouting about your wonderful and amazing product. And that 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 holds true not only to products, but anyone who has a service company. Um, you know, I'm an Apple consultant by day, as most people know, and I have uh, a search on my Twitter for people who say, Mac help, and I'll answer them for free just because they need the help. And I'm not saying I can help you and here's how much I charge for the answer. I just go and help them. I'm listening to their problems. And that helps build a rapport and get my name in front of people, not as a you know, shouting by my stuff, but allows me to create a personal relationship with this person. Yeah, absolutely. You're actually doing the core uh, essence of what I feel leads to successful social media communication, and that everything that you do should come from a value-helping position versus a marketing position when it comes to social. Because as you just described, as you begin to help people, you're earning trust which gives you permission to market to people. And unfortunately, not just entrepreneurs, but businesses and brands flip that process. They think if they market, then they'll earn the trust. But social media works a little differently. you got to turn that around, build trust first, and then earn the trust to market to them. Do you think that that's always been true, that social media has always been that, that flipped way, or is that something we're seeing more now because Twitter and Facebook are more in our faces with, you know, every commercial we see, every newspaper on the back of rental cars, we see Twitter and Facebook, you know, uh, addresses. Is this, is this a new phenomenon or like what's happening with that? That's a great question. My philosophy has always been that social media is a communication channel, not a marketing channel. And in the 10 years that I've been a professional in this space, all my strategies have been built around that. Here at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, that's exactly how we treat our social media efforts as a communication, brand relationship medium, not necessarily a here's where you can go and buy stuff from us, though of course that's ultimately what we hope um, our members and prospective members do. We simply can't just go on our social channels and start marketing. Uh, going back to your question though, I think I've always viewed social media as that, as a communication channel. And I, and I say that coming from a naive perspective where, you know, I, I don't have quote-unquote traditional PR or marketing background. I cut my teeth in customer service, so I think that has enabled me to position and use social media from that perspective. I think in the 10 years that I've been in this profession, I've seen 
the customer demographic becomes smarter, savvier, and more in touch with what social media is, even though they're completely not focused on the ethics and principles of social media. What they do know is that there are brands out there, and if I can't get a hold of you through my your phone number, I'm going to go to your Facebook page because I'm going to assume you're on Facebook because I am, and I'm going to reach out and either compliment, complain, or ask a question, and I'm immediately going to expect a response because if I can simply go out there and just type my message on your Facebook page, why isn't there someone automatically paying attention and replying to me? You know, that's the kind of mentality, and, you know, that's a communication that's not so much a marketing, you're building trust, but I think the consumers are becoming ever increasingly savvy about how to navigate the social web. It's funny that you said that like you would go, if you can't call me, you would go look at my, my Facebook page or whatever it is. It, I have a, a quick story. I was just in Japan um, last October with my wife, and we were in Osaka, and we found this restaurant that we wanted to go to dinner at. So we went on their website, we booked a reservation, we were... Most of the time in Japan, you'll be greeted by the owner or the waiter or whatever it is. It's very traditional there. But the owner not only greeted us, he actually already knew everything about me because he had looked me up on Twitter and Facebook and was like, you have this big following and stuff like that. Please come in. He was so happy. And it was just really interesting that instead of just being like a, a restaurant, he already like took the time to like get to know me based on my social media profile. And then was able to like cater towards us. Yeah, he's smart. That's really smart to do. And you know, depending upon which side you you tread that line between communication and marketing. And you know, if you had a marketing professional in here, they would probably provide some um, counterpoints to my opinions on social media. And you could say that he was being very market savvy. To me, I, I find that as a relationship savvy. You know, if he cares about his business and his customers, especially someone who's going to travel hundreds of miles to go to his restaurant, to take the time to find out not only who you are, but just to make that extra effort. I mean, to me, that's just, it just seems like a common sense type of thing. I, I mean, that's what I would do if I had it. And yet somehow these things that come across maybe very naturally when it comes to, uh, you know, sociology and human communication, it somehow seems revolutionary, you know, that, oh, my gosh, that's just, that's just amazing. You know, do we see large brands doing that? Yeah, to some extent we do, but for the majority we don't, and yet for some reason we're curious as to why that's not happening. And, again, I think it falls back into looking at social media through your customer's lens, view lens, and not through your marketing uh, view lens. No, and that makes it makes a valid point. Like, uh, to be able to use the – everyone – because almost everybody's on some form of social media at this point, and being able to use that to really target your audience um, – really is like a great way to just find out even more about the person that you're trying to, to reach out to. Yeah. The, the no, best part. He's listening. Oh, sorry, go that, that That guy at the restaurant, he's listening. He's paying attention who's participating with his product and services. And, yeah, you're exactly right. You know, some of this isn't rocket science. It's just 
we as a society and as businesses and organizations haven't been in the practice of communicating with people. We've been in the practice of marketing to or at people, which is very different. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just social media has kind of changed the game a little bit. And sometimes you have to make that 180-degree turn, but depending upon how large your organization or how flexible your organization, you can make that turn quicker or not so. And for people that are single-person entrepreneurs, it might be even easier because they're going in and if they know the right way to go, obviously out of the gate, they don't have to worry about that pivot. Right, yeah. And again, I would just emphasize that, unfortunately, I see... In my experience, a lot of entrepreneurs are like, hey, 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 look, I just did look at what we got, look at what we got. And again, their product and service may be fantastic, but you got to have context. Like you said, you got to know your market. And most importantly, you just have to be human. You know, I'd rather get to know you versus your product. <laughs> so if I get to know you, then I'm in a position, a better position, to give you my full attention when it comes to your product, or even better yet, point you in the direction of some of the people that I know who would have direct value from your service or product. Right. The best part of that story about the restaurant in Japan is afterwards we said to the guy, we're like, hey, you know, is there a cool bar around here? He actually walked us from his restaurant like three blocks to his friend's bar, um, which was – he, the bartender was like a bartender slash DJ, and like it was just so <laughs> much fun. It was just like the, my wife and I were just like, what is going on here? <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so, Tony, Tony Shrey said this this comment about um, social media, and I, I think you commented very similar. Where social media is like hugging. Um, can you like that was? Can you expand on that? Like, how does people? How do people uh, get the return on investment? when it comes to social media? How do you determine your return on investment with social media? Well, it really comes down to identifying what your goal and objective is through social media. You know, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, it may start off, you know, actually let me step back a little bit. When it comes to determining uh, social media strategy slash objective as it relates to ROI, it usually falls into three categories. One, awareness for your brand, service, product, or even you. Uh, the second category would then be like member or customer retention costs uh, associated to that, the member journey, uh, defining ROI as it relates to losing a customer, maintaining a customer, retention, and all that good stuff. And then the third category is direct uh, transactions, uh, click to purchase uh, models. Normally, and in my experience, where you usually have to start when you're really going to invest in social media is in the first category of building awareness or focus around the product, service, or person. And that, when it comes to ROI, you may not have direct monetary value, but it's still possible. For example, you know, like, actually, I'll back up again. We have to remember that ROI is a financial term and not everything you can do in social media will relate to financial outcomes. For example, you know, networking, is there a financial number attached to that? Maybe, maybe not. But if your goal is just to get to know who's out there and who you may want to communicate with as it relates to who you are and your products and service, you know, then you can set aside goals specific to that. 
as uh, you get into you know social media ad spends, you know we know it's kind of expensive to do an email campaign or even send out direct mail. However, you know if you can calculate the differences between if you do traditional media versus even an email campaign or like Facebook ads, then you can calculate the savings of costs. Then you have your ROI as it relates to that particular tactic. So it really depends on your objective and goal. And unfortunately, there isn't one, in my experience, there hasn't been one ROI model that I've been able to just clunk in front of a client or brand and say, okay, if we go through this, this, this is what we're going to find out at the end. You have to be malleable and able to uh, edit as possible. Yeah, being malleable is a big part of this, right? Like being able to try things out, if they don't work, then change, do whatever needs to be done in order to adjust. And with social media, that's something that can be done pretty quickly, right? Yeah, again, it, it really depends on your goals. It depends on the data that you're pulling back based on what you're doing through social channels. Again, you know, in brand awareness, there wasn't really a tangible ROI we could focus on. We began to identify, when I say we, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, we began to identify ROI potential models through some of our paid campaigns, uh, some of the time we, we see being spent on our social channels. One thing you can do as an entrepreneur is identify the estimated value of what a customer of a customer for your product, and you know, quite honestly, I mean that's social media agnostic. You just try to define that. If I have a product, what is my estimated value of a customer as I know it now, and that might change. So once you have that value set, you can then begin to start as use that as a starting point for any of your social media initiatives. For example, if I'm going to blog and content or create content, and I see traffic coming to my blog and I know an estimated value of a potential a customer of mine is X, then maybe those people who are visiting my blog have that potential value uh, related to my content. Well, how, how do you – this is a new concept for me, so I want to dig a little deeper. How do you <laughs> figure out the estimated value of a customer? So like some of my pad is three ninety nine. Does that mean all my customers are $3.99? Yeah, they may be and they may not be. You know, that's unfortunately the fun part of data and ROI. It really requires you to dig and look at the behavior of people participating with your social media activity, be it content, be it sales and transactions. Uh, estimated value, if you've put together a product and you know you want to obtain a specific financial uh, resolution or goal. For example, let's say I invent, uh, I don't know, let's say a video game, and I know I need to sell X amount of games to make Y profit. So a customer, a potential customer, would be the value or sale of my quote-unquote video games, let's say 60 bucks. So if I see people participating with my content, I can tag that estimated value to those audiences uh, excuse me, to those content participants at $60. Say, ah, okay, I have 25 unique visitors. That's potentially 25 unique customers. So the value, estimated value could be $60. Then you base that off your financial model that you have, hopefully, with your uh, company or service 
and you put that estimated value through that model to see if it will withstand or if it needs to be changed. Wow, that's a that's a lot of math to take in. Um. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know. This is coming from an art major too. <laughs> wow. <laughs> see, art, science, can mix. Um, <laughs> so, what about? Let me rephrase that. What do you think is the best way for someone who's got a new product to go out and and get attention? Should it be a blog? Should it be Twitter? Should it be Facebook? Should it be Pinterest? Like, what are the appropriate steps for people who are starting out with a new idea or a new product that they have made or they just started selling or whatever it is? What's the, the steps for them to get it out there? I see it across the board, whether it be an entrepreneur to a large organization, the tool you should focus on when it comes to social media is content. Now, content can be a blog, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. It can be a video series. It can be a podcast series. It can be a series of content that positions you as an expert in relation to your product and service. However, again, I would advise that when you start identifying your content, Start from a position of value and helping versus trying to market. Identify content that would relate to people on a passionate level. Because I don't care what business you're into, any business has elements that connect with people on an emotional and passionate level. That's where you get people to be hooked into who you are and what you're offering. So uh, if someone's creating a, a new product, they're gonna, they, you want to first show yourself as the expert of not only the product, but like the realm that the product sits in. And yeah, this then, oh, sorry, and then, um, and then go and show people how the, not by pushing and saying bye, but by showing them how the product can help them with their day-to-day. -day. Right. Yeah, I, something that we do here and something that I've done with all the clients I've worked with um, is defining what I call your content bubble. And if you Google my name, David Murray, WordPress, Chicago, I think a presentation pops up in Google where I talk about exactly that. And the content bubble is really just an exercise in helping you identify subjects you can talk about through your content. So, for example, you start off with your core subjects, which is all about you, your product and service. And this is where a lot of companies, organizations, and individuals start and stop because you can only talk about yourself so much without becoming, or excuse me, so much until you become boring and just uninteresting. So then you need to identify some related subjects to your core. This makes you a little bit more interesting. And again, we go back to the third layer, which is the passion subjects. These are things that, topics that really stick with people who are searching for content and will hopefully hook people on a personal level so they can begin to take the time to know who you are and how you can help them. And then the last level is like emotional touch points. Maybe there's testimonials, maybe there's stories related to your con or excuse me, to your product and service. You combine all these layers together, then you are identifying subjects that can really position you not only as an industry or niche um, thought 
leader, but also your content becomes a resource of helpful information versus just a source of your own information. People go back to resources. They share resources. They tell their neighbor, hey, you know the other day I read something that related to that conversation we had while we were watching football. I'll send you that link. Uh, that's your aim is to become a helpful resource. And you can only do that, in my opinion, on uh, web properties that you own. So I would not recommend anyone go starting to put all their content on Facebook or Twitter or Tumblr or any third-party apps. Um, I would begin with creating a website and having a blog component within that. That's, that's great um, information. So you said you're you said, uh, I'll put in the show notes, David Murray, Chicago, WordPress. Uh, was WordPress your, your choice for websites and blogs? Um, yeah. I actually am in the process of I – I've turned off all my blogs because, one, I just haven't had the time to update them. But uh, WordPress is great. I enjoy it. It's easy. And, I mean, I, I can develop sites at a minimal level, so it's perfect for me. And for those yeah, who I, want to deep into it and know their stuff when it comes to coding, that opportunity is there too. So it's good. Yeah, I'm a big WordPress fan, and and I actually talk about that and capitalize on your idea, like get a WordPress, and that way you can have this blog and you can share your content. But I also like what you're saying earlier. People share resources. I I find that even now that I'm like now that I'm hearing those words and I'm thinking about it, like the things I share with people are not necessarily things that I've... I mean, yes, I share my own writing, but when I talk to my friends or my family, I, I usually share something else that's related to a problem that they're dealing with or an issue that they're talking to me about. And I'm like, hey, this is a good resource for you. And I usually yeah. tell them that way. Hey. So that's a great That's a great way. So to become have your own blog so you can become the resource that people would share. Right. Absolutely. And... As you get more comfortable in creating content, you you can you should be thinking about how your content is literally a product of you. Sounds like a Tony Robinson um, <laughs> quote, but <laughs> it really is true. I, you know, if you go to like Costco and they have all those samples, there's a reason why they give those samples out. I mean, your yeah, content is your product. Yeah, right. Your content is your product. If I'm grabbing your content and if I'm sharing it, that is just as valuable as me taking your actual product or service and, and saying, hey, look, look at this. This is this is helpful. It's just one more step into that sales funnel. So uh, take great care with your content. Make sure it's something that you think, um, excuse me, not that you think. You should never assume that your content is something people want. You should always be aiming to make sure that your content helps people. So you said earlier that you've taken down a bunch of your blogs because you don't have the time, and, and that seems to be one of the things I hear most often. I don't have the time to do this. And it's already going to take enough time for someone to go and develop a kind of idea into a product. How does someone who has limited time get to write this kind of content? Because obviously writing, it's not everybody's forte, and it takes right. a lot of you to write. I mean, I know that when I post on my blog, I, I'm trying to post more often, but the fact is I'll post, I'll write something on the train because I have an hour to kill, but right. the rest of my day is shot. So how, what are some good things that people can do to help get themselves into that content creation mode? Yeah, I would say do everything and anything you can to 
build your creative juices and stockpile creativity and creative energy as much as you can because writing requires you to create through a creative muse, so to speak. You know, if we look back when we had to do papers in high school and college, when you had to write something, when you even that word, it kind of has a stigma of like an assignment. <laughs> so your content can come across as very, uh, for lack of a better word, static and not connect with people again, remember, on an emotional level, on a passionate level. So I would recommend people create content in a way that they feel uh, that is very intuitive and very creative. Uh, for example, I'll give you an example. I just had a conversation with someone at the Henry Ford Museum here in Dearborn, and we were looking at some of the antique trains, and the gentleman just talked about how he actually has an antique uh, store and, and how some of the trains he saw would be great in his collection. And then the conversation just got into just how business is doing. And he's like, yeah, so I don't even, you know, we got into the subject of content, and he's like, yeah, well, I don't know if I want to blog anything. I don't even know how to set up a blog. But I go, you know, honestly, you should probably just talk about talk about um, antiques. You just talked to me for an hour about what you like to do and how you do it. And I do enjoy antiques, but I can tell just through talking, your passion and your uh, authenticity comes through. And as I believe he started just a video series of what to look for when it comes to antique shopping and these are like 30 second minute to a minute videos um, and they're effective. That's all he does. He doesn't blog. He has a YouTube uh, channel that is his blog uh, that he publishes or embeds on his blog and they're great. So I would say find a way to create content that's fun. They'll come across it as a chore. If you're like, oh, I got a blog, well, that's exactly how your content's going to come across. <laughs> right. And if you hate it, it won't come across. And that's a great thing that you were saying. Like, he's doing these videos. The fact is that just because we tell people have a blog doesn't necessarily mean we're saying write 300 word right. essays every time. Like, it can be in video format, it could be in audio format, it could be in, uh, well, not that Vine's different than video, but Vine format where you get six seconds to share just like a quick tidbit. There's nothing, and all of that can be what is your blog. It doesn't necessarily have to be a written thing. Right. Yeah. And as long as you're being creative in some way and you're using that outlet, however you are can be displayed in that method to get that information out there. Right. Absolutely. I have a awesome. presentation that I found. I'll forward it to you. Um, it talks about there's a lot of content out there, like a lot, and a lot of it's crap, and you have to rise above it, and you're not going to do it doing it the way everyone else is. So forget about the infographics. Forget about the three-page uh, article on Forbes. Forget about the image marquee. Think about how what your audience needs, how you can help them, and how you can be creative through your communication. But I like those infographics. They're so pretty. Some of them are good. There's a, a lot of them out there you're like, oh, gosh, I don't need to look at that. <laughs> yeah, there's like, there was an infographic that was like about infographics. And I'm like, okay, we have now officially <laughs> jumped the shark. Yeah. So like there's 4,000 infographics. It's just, it's ridiculous. Um, 
you know, some of these entrepreneurs don't, they don't have the ability to do some of these things anyway, because like for me, I have no graphic abilities whatsoever, but and luckily I'm, I'm married uh, and my wife does all my graphics for me. So there's a lot of those things. You just need to scratch them off the top anyway, because you just can't actually do them. And you're better off putting yeah. in content that's quality than attempting to do something that you're not that good at, like an infographic, for example, um, and making it look crappy. Right. Yep. That's great. Yeah, great absolutely. Stuff. I mean, you can't, I can't emphasize the power of visuals. I, I can't take credit for this quote, but uh, when I was at a conference and I heard Darren Rouse speak from ProBlogger, he just mentioned a little bit about images, and I took it to heart, and it's a practice I've embedded in our social strategies here at Blue Cross, and that's, you know, take with your images, aim to inspire versus inform, because if you inspire, you capture someone's attention, and going back to what we've already talked about, that's a trust factor, which will entice them to allow you to inform your audience of what you're communicating about. So if you if you take the time to look at our Facebook pages here at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan, you'll find that uh, I think one of the best comments we get is that it doesn't come across as a health insurance Facebook page, which is exactly our goal. We aim to inspire through our visuals that connect on an emotional touch point through our content, which will hopefully earn the trust factor. So come enrollment time, people remember us and reach out to us. That's awesome. Um, all right, so I'm going to ask the, the one last question is if you can give one piece of solid advice to a single entrepreneur in a two let's give, I'm going to give you two sentences to do it, knock it out of the park, and what they should do, go. Uh, let's see. I don't know if I can do it in two sentences, but I certainly will try. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. You, know, you get three. You get three sentences. Three sentences. Three sentences. <laughs> you know, I think wrapping up everything that we talked about, honestly, your first objective with social media is take the time to listen and find out who's out there as it relates to not only your product but who you are, and then provide content or communication. Or if you begin to start engaging through social channels, start from a position of value and helping and aim to communicate with people, not market at people, and you will win in the social space. That's awesome. That's great. Great advice. David, uh, tell people where they can find you online. Certainly. I'm active on Twitter. You can find me at twitter.com backslash Dave Murr. I'm also on LinkedIn. Those are actually the two most active channels that I'm on. Uh, kind of keep Facebook to like close families and friends. But yeah, feel free to reach out to me. Happy to help with any questions or connect people to who they need to be connected with. Great. Thanks so much. David, thanks so much for uh, being with us here today. Ah, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, man. Thanks. Okay. So there you have it, some really great advice from, from Dave Murray. Uh, again, I, you know, I've said this before and I, I tell other people to start listening to your customers. Yes, you're listening to me and I really appreciate that. And um, Maybe one of these days I'll do a hostful episode where it's just me talking to you guys about some ideas. But 
you know, start listening to your customers, start listening to other people, start listening to potential customers, start listening to uh, your competition, and then provide value. That's what this is about. You know, the podcast, this podcast, the book, the blog, all of this is, I'm doing this because I want to provide value to you guys so that way you can make your businesses better. And to do that is you're going to create value for your customers and those customers are going to create value for their customers and so on and so forth. And we become this, uh, we get this rich sense of community and we have this solid content. You know, the internet, when it first started, was a lot of good quality stuff and then somewhere we took a really bad left turn and and now there's all this horrible stuff that's on the internet but there's still plenty of good to great content and you should be that should be your goal is to create this great content to get people to your to your site to your product to your blog to your whatever it is um and that way if you're creating great content people are going to share that you know people are going to put that out there and and that's how you're going to get those sales. So stop thinking about doing sales in that nine, you know, that traditional 1980s, sell me this pen kind of way from like Wolf of Wall Street or whatever it is. Think about, think, don't think about sales really in that manner at all. Think about it in the way of if I provide good content and if I provide things that people want to know about or things that people want to hear or that I'm giving answers to my customers. That's what's going to sell my product. That's what's going to do it for me. If I were to tell you, you know, if you were to come to me and say, I'm a real estate broker, what can I do to go paperless? I'm going to say, you know what? There's a lot of different ways. Let's look at what you're looking to do. And then, you know, let's see if maybe my product, maybe sign my pad fits for you. Maybe not. Maybe your idea of going paperless is you really need to get the paper out of your office. Well, my app ain't going to do that for you, but I'm going to help you you know, with ways to get started in that paperless. So I'm going to show you the numbers for why you should go paperless. That kind of value before I say, you know, the best way to do it is just by using my app and then calling it a day because that's not going to, that's not going to help anybody. So I really hope you enjoyed the, the interview. Please, if you, if you have any questions or comments, leave them in the comment section on the blog. Leave a review on iTunes. Send me an email, justin at justinesgar.com. Tweet me at justinesgar. I'm here to answer any questions you have. And we will see you guys next week.